millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I make my own rules, one Banco party at a time. I write history and I read celebrities. I am JMZ. Life is a classroom and I'm here to teach. Hello, welcome back to Historians on Housewives. You're here with me, Casey. Dr. Jane Mill, the millionaires. Max Spear, rubbing two pennies together, becoming a millionaire. All that doge. All that do- I'm swimming in it. And doge is doing great right now, as you all can see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh the sarcasm. Yeah. So today's episode... My life savings! <laughs> AMC to the moon! Listeners are like, oh god, they're crypto bros. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> so today's episode's really exciting for me. <laughs> it is the um kind of the conclusion of our two-part series within a series on um early America, the American Revolution, and independence in this great country. We've already had two episodes by uh, with our guest, Sean Gallagher. Today is the first of a two-part with Adam McNeil. Adam McNeil's work um, centers on African-American um, loyalists, if you will, African-Americans who escaped with the British during the War of 1812. Adam McNeil is really kind of that hot, shining star that is coming at you from early America. He's a graduate student at Rutgers University. The reason I like Adam's work is Adam's work um, follows in the tradition of people like Benjamin Quarles, um, the late Benjamin Quarles from Morgan State, and the recently deceased Sylvia Frey um, from Tulane University, who looks at the way in which African Americans use the rhetoric of the American Revolution and the decades afterwards to seek their own freedom. Some people for, filed form, form, formal petitions. Some people took up arms um, against American slaveholders. And in the case of the people that Adam studies, um, he studies those that fled with the British during the War of 1812 and, and repatriate in Canada and eventually Sierra Leone. So it is right in keeping with our larger theme of independence and the month of July, or I would say counter independence. You know, Adam was just chosen to be the inaugural Alejandro Institute of Early American History and Cultures 
audio fellow. So that means that for the summer of 2020, he's going to be researching, writing, and producing a two-part podcast miniseries. We're about, in 2021. Uh, sorry, yeah, you're right. We are in 2021. That year, that uh, he'll be doing um, a miniseries about black women's fight for freedom during the American Revolutionary Era. So that's very exciting. He's going to be a great person for us to talk to today. So without further ado... Adam Xavier McNeil is a PhD candidate in history at Rutgers University. He is the co-host of New Books in African American Studies, a podcast on the New Books Network. Welcome, Adam McNeil. Thank you all so much for having me. This is um, this is a little different for me because uh, I've interviewed eighty-two folks for you know, over the course of the last couple of years. And it's weird to be in the interviewee seat. So uh, y'all are really getting me prepped. So I really uh, appreciate y'all for bringing me on here. Uh, you know, I come from a, a black church uh, background on today. On you this know, today. I, I feel good. <laughs> on this today. Uh, on, on today. Uh, good Friday of all, of all days, too. Yeah, it is Good Friday. It is, you know, I will, I will say this before you even share your tagline, you are, and I just didn't realize it until I heard the baritone in your voice. Is it baritone bass? You are our first Afro American, uh, uh, guest of the male persuasion. The reason I'm saying this is like, you know, um, someone near and dear to my heart is a Mumia Abu Jamal. And the minute we Mm -hmm. said hello to you, I felt the same energy I get with Mumia. I hear that radio voice. Well, hello. How are you doing? And it's like you have that same Mm. presence. Because I've I've listened to the podcast, but because I met you in person, this is our first time actually speaking on the phone. So you came in with that Mumia kind of, hello, this is my space. And you are visiting. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. So and, you should feel you know, at home. Just, you should feel at home. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Most definitely. Most definitely. And, and I think, like, um, there's an interesting way in which that this moment that we're living in, um, you know, although horrendous in so many ways, it, you know, has provided different spaces to, to build community. Um, and so I really appreciate um, y'all inviting me into the into your space and also the fact of even from jump, even from the first time I got the call, I felt like I was home. And that doesn't happen often and or all the time. And so, um, and then on, on the point about Mumia, um, you know, got to keep him up in prayer. Uh, you know, he has um, you know, been dealing with uh, I believe, you know, COVID and, mm-hmm. and, and more health um, issues um, behind bars. And um, as someone who's moving to Philadelphia now in less than a month, I'm moving May 1st, um, you know, it just, it means even more, you know what I'm saying? For you to, for you to say that um, as well. And, um, and, and yeah, so I, I just really appreciate y'all uh, so much. And, and thank you for your platform too, because, you know, uh, people think that academics and, and historians don't do reality TV. I say nay. <laughs> oh my god how For can real. i not like you how, how can we not love you uh, i have one more Mamiya thing and then, and then i'm really gonna let the producer who oh i was even gonna go off script again so you keep going off script i'm gonna go off script and max 
I promise it won't be too much editing because I'm okay being a little loosey-goosey. No, it's okay. Um, the less I have to talk on mic, the better. <laughs> Max is a little microphone shy. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, or maybe you will know this, Adam. Do you know that the library company of Philadelphia sits right on the same street where um, Mumia was um, brutalized and then arrested? There's actually a one block away from the library company is a memorial to Daniel Faulkner. Did you know this? Uh, no, I've been to the library company trillions of times by now and had no earthly idea. Did not know if you come out of the library company, you take a right, you know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm rusty on Philly, but you take a right and you go just one block right by the little Italian restaurant. There's a, there's a memorial to, to Daniel Faulkner. You would miss it if you, if you didn't know what you were looking for. So it's just kind of crazy that you're going to Philly um, obviously mm-hmm. we have people we can connect you with, um, in the movement, but I've been very excited watching your excitement about, oh, I'll be in Philly in this week or next week or whatever. I mean, you, and you can't do what you do mm-hmm. and not be in Philadelphia. So I, I, I love all of this for you. All of this. Okay. Yeah. I'm done. No, <laughs> no, no, no. And, and, and that is great. And, and you obviously know who my, uh, advisor is, you know, probably obviously way more than even I do. So, you know, Sam, moving to Philadelphia and also, um, you know, there's a particular, uh, uh, it's interesting, the, the carceral nature of what you just brought up. Um, you know, I actually corresponds with, uh, some work that I'm actually like, it's brand new. Like I literally just started thinking about it. Um, and putting some things together in, in the past seven days. So, so y'all about to get a, a you know, maybe this first little bit too that I'm even going to have to go back to to listen to to make sure uh, that I write the, some, some notes down too. So, so y'all going to get some some, uh, some some brand new content. It's oh, like uh, a Bravo uh, first look. It's a Bravo hey, first look. Ooh, turn up. I like that. It's, it's a Bravo, Bravo Demic Preview. Bravo Demic Preview. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Okay. I'm with it. I, one more like way of like situating all of this here. Do you, you, you know, Sean Gallagher at UC Davis? Yeah, that, that's, that's the homie. So Sean is, ac- I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pause. Sean is our homie. <laughs> word? Okay. When someone's worked with millionaires for far too long. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, Sean, so Max and I met on our first day of our master's program and, you know, mm-hmm. the rest is history there. But Sean yeah. was also with us on our first day of our master's program. So Sean is like our like original like we claim him uh like mm-hmm. Max is like giggling in the corner uh I think he's great <laughs> and I was texting with him last night and he was like oh my goodness you're gonna talk to Adam I love Adam and uh so it was just it was very sweet but yeah we go oh, we go man. very far back with Sean at this point no nah, Sean's dope because um you know, he's doing some phenomenal work um, in revolutionary era history um, and specifically the history of, of, uh, of enslaved folks um, in, in the revolutionary South. And, and so he and I have been collaborating and, and plotting really um, probably for like the last six months or so now. We've never met in person. Um, we've been together um, in some Zoom rooms. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, he posted on Twitter, I believe, yesterday, that he's actually moving to Philadelphia. 
Um, he is. Uh, yeah, I think he got a postdoc. Yeah. Oh, he did. What? what? Oh, I didn't. Oh, what? Oh, okay, cut this out. I don't want to out Sean's postdoc. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I was asking him last did night. Uh, let me pull up the message because we were texting. So, what did? What's the official name? He says he got accepted for a two-year postdoc in Philly at the David Center American Philosophical the David Society. Center. Nice. Yo, that's big time. That's big time. I oh that that's great. Yeah, no, the David Center um at American Philosophical Society, phenomenal place. Um and actually it's funny because uh Dr. Mil- Man, see, I tell people, man, people need to put some respect on on Dr. Jessica Millward's name. This is what I am talking about. This is what I'm talking about. Let me tell you. So, um, when Dr. Millward, um, let me see, I was back on the Florida. So, uh, when Dr. Millward gave her talk at the um, at the uh, Museum of the uh, American Revolution, um, Hannah, uh, I can't, can't, I don't know how to say her last name, but um, uh, the uh, events person uh, named Hannah at um the museum Mm -hmm. um she reached out to me because she wanted me to attend dr millworth's talk and and gave me some like free like tickets or whatever um and we've built a relationship as well because i want to start working with them they got a lot of really dope content that they're trying to put together especially as we move towards 250 uh for for the revolution and so um the quick of it is Dr. Millward's talk was the catalyst for our, um, for our buildup. And most recently, um, you know, I'm now a, a young adults member of the museum and, you know, I, I ended up helping Sean, you know, link with, with her and the museum as well. And, you know, you might not know the particular, uh, physical nature of, of uh, the museum in Philadelphia, but it literally sits across the way from the David Center. It's actually quite fascinating that, you know, the meeting of the minds in that way is cool. And, and also for, for the personal nature, it helps me to know that I should be hearing something back from the David Center because I applied for a fellowship uh, for them recently. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm checking my email. I'm like, uh, 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 David Center, what, what's happening? <laughs> so, but I'm happy for Sean. He's a good dude and, and they're going to, they're going to do well with his work and, and develop him for this. Uh, well, I, I just love building all of these connections and, you know, kind of fleshing out this network and, you know, doing the virtual podcast waves at people. So, so mm-hmm. let's, let's mm-hmm. like pretend for like a second <laughs> that there's any sort of structure. Uh, <laughs> Adam, can you share your housewives tagline with us? Yeah, see, uh, see, I was on. I had a couple. You know, Kirk Franklin had some some problems in the news recently. Yo. So I wondered if I wanted to use this. Uh, I had another one that included him, but I was like, uh, for personal reasons, professional, I should probably hold off on it. So I'll just go to another problematic phase. So I'll call myself Black Academia's Flavor Flav is here, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that and I laughed like one, all by two, myself one, at my computer <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, like, 
Adam's familiar with like old VH1 reality TV. I was like really digging it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like when I tell you, like, I, like I'm real serious about how, and I, you know, it's funny. I didn't even write about this um, on the, on the uh, questionnaire, but flavor of love to me is one of the most foundational um, in all the best and the worst ways uh, reality television shows that when you talk about like the hierarchy of reality television, right? You know, they have the real world, uh, like the, was it the first season, the folks are coming back, I think, um, or, you know, they have the recent, um, redo. And so I'm just thinking, I was like, I was born in 92 to give you an example. So that was around the time that a lot of the, the proliferation from MTV started to happen. So I don't know a world where prominent reality television is not like, primetime television and for me when i think about the hierarchy flavor of love spawned like spawned so much right and also made vh1 like i only remember vh1 for doing like behind the music before right or that was i believe one of their more prominent um programming but flavor of love opened the floodgates for so much we right, would not have had a rock can... of love without a flavor of love. Oh. <laughs> Look, tell it. surreal life. You know, you know that surreal life and Tiffany uh, Pollard. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Rock of love with what? Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels. Yeah. New York. Mm-hmm. New York mm-hmm. is still working. Um, can you? Can I just tell you how, what a big nerd I am? Do you know that the flavor flavor uh, flavor of love house is the same house they taped? I think rock of love, but definitely the surreal life with MC Hammer and who? Vince Neil. Now I went mm-hmm. really back deep into the archives. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> deep in the archives. I just have right, to say, wow. before before we leave lead into how we actually met Adam, I, I have to also say this. You know, in the profession, graduate advisors are very proud of who they mentor and who they work with. And in the old school, back in the old days, there were always conversations about people stealing other people's grad students. Um, Mm. and I just have to say if the great Erica Armstrong Dunbar was not your mentor, I would just have to go into the old school bag of tricks and be like reality TV, American revolution. What is going on here? I would, I would have to (laughs) not even steal you. I would have to attach myself to your, to your coattails. (laughs) (laughs) Look, look, hey, nah, look, Dr. Miller, look, I already, uh, we're going to get to this in a later uh, question, but believe me, there, there's going to be some ways that we're going to be tag teaming together, <laughs> don't, don't, look, you, you ain't, you, look, from that time that we met to now, you ain't got rid of me yet, and you ain't going, <laughs> it true. ain't happening. It's true, when I did the lecture of the American Revolution, the Museum of the American Revolution, there was all these questions, and then there were these pointed questions like, someone really read this book. And I said, oh, I wasn't ready for that. Adam later was like, yeah, that was my question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, feel so like, I feel like Jessica does collect graduate students, though. I collect people. Yeah. I collect people. I believe that the world is a constellation of who, and you have to inhabit your world with people who are on your same vibe. Yeah. That's all I think. I, mm-hmm. That's what I think. So, Adam, take Casey, you know, get rid of the suspense. 
tell Casey how we met. And like, don't you mind? Like, I feel like what I gather is that meeting Jessica is also part of your academic journey. So can you like, just oh, give it like, yeah, I, I want like, I want the narrative. <laughs> oh yeah. Narrative. Oh yes. Narrative. That's all we about. Narrative writing, narrative podcast. That's what it's about. So, um, so I'm going to take us way back, back in time. Um, so when I began podcasting was back in my master's program at Simmons College, now university. And this was back in 2017. And I was um, finishing up my master's program and I was looking towards PhD. And so I knew that my GRE scores were not going to be good. So my advisor at the time, Dr. Jessica Parr, reached out to me and said, hey, I got this email for this thing called New Books, uh, for the New Books Network. I was like, dope, cool. Now, I had also heard an interview that she had done on this podcast called Ben Franklin's World, um, a podcast of, about uh, early American history from uh, Liz Colbert with the Omohundra Institute um, at College of Women and Mary. And so I was, I was, I knew about this podcasting thing, this kind of history podcast thing. And I was like, it seems like a cool way to kind of get myself into a PhD program. And so for me, that actually connects to Dr. Millward because I listened to her episode on Ben Franklin's world. It's a great episode. I, it, it's a great episode, but I didn't know who she was before. Like I, I, you know, kind of, I knew that I wanted to, to, to be a historian of um, black women's history in, in um, early America, but I hadn't fully read the book yet. Right. So my introduction was her podcast. And so it was a amazing experience listening to her podcast. And ultimately I ended up going into new books in African American studies and interview all these cool people. But then like, I ended up going to the University of Delaware um, for my first year of my PhD. And fairly early on, I knew, you know, that I didn't want to be a 19th century historian anymore. I wanted to go another century back to the 18th century. And there, was, there wasn't anyone there that could do that because the person that was doing that had just left. And that's Dr. Eric Armstrong Dunbar. And so I was like, look, man, I'm usually a person that, like, that likes to shoot they shot. You know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not often scared away from those kinds of things, at least to the point of not like trying. So I was like, I need to shoot my shot. So the summertime happens and the Association of Black Women Historians has a symposium call for papers. And I end up collaborating with some folks um, and we end up uh, uh, getting our stuff accepted. And so heading to LA, ain't been there since 2012, super excited. It ain't gonna be hot. It's gonna be super cool. I'm in Florida, you know. I'm in uh, Delaware, so it'll be nice to get away from the cold. But the cool part is, when I'm going there, I'm thinking, you know, this would be a chance for me to collaborate and meet some people that I thought I was gonna meet. Right? I had some, you know, kind of itinerary in that way. But look at God. You look got a plan. God. He's like, I got, but I got the better one for you, brother. And so what happens is. Like I said, I had, I had read, you know, uh, I listened to the uh, uh, Dr. Miller's episode with Liz. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm getting close to, and actually I bought my, you know, it's funny, I bought my mother's book. 
right? I, my mom had read the book before I did. That's the funny part. And so um, what ends up happening is um, I get there, you know, the day early and the conference had advertised that they had like a, um, they had a, a kickback spot, you know what I'm saying? Uh, pretty much a, um, one of the hotel rooms that they set aside for people to, you know, just hang out, you know, have a, have a, have a good time together. Um, since the conference is going to be at a, a Loyola Marymount University and the hotel is not on campus. So, you know, as a way to kind of collaborate and meet people. And so I get there early, which is something that I rarely ever do in life and anything. Y'all, y'all know that by now. And so what is up happening? Like, I, I see this person, and I think if I, if I remember correctly, it's been a couple years, I think it was Dr. Marnie Campbell who I saw outside. Because I didn't know where the room was, and I'm going to be honest with you. When I saw the Association of Black Women's Historians, I was like, hold up. I remember, I'll never get, I forget who answered my email. I remember emailing, can I come? And I'm thinking, I'm a brother. Like, I'm trying to support, but I didn't know if I could, if I could be a part, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I found out that quickly that I could. But I was still kind of like, I didn't know a lot of people. But I, like I said, I believe it was Dr. Marnie Campbell who uh, helped me, like she was uh, walking outside of the room, um, about to go in. I was like, hey, you know, is this, you know, hey, I'm, you know, here with the conference, uh, the symposium. And I, I walk in, and I think it was only like a hand, like a, only a small handful of people, very, very small. And I walk in, the bar is to the, the kitchen, the bar is to the left, and you walk through, and on the couch to the left, there's this woman that I was like, when she started talking, I was like, hold up, why that voice sound so familiar? And I introduced myself, right? And, you know, this might be rehashing um, it in a way that maybe didn't happen. But This hey, is such know, a revisionist history, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, you're going to tell me, but this is what I remember. <laughs> and so I just remember thinking, like, we were having this conversation. I was like, hold up. Hold up. You are Dr. Jessica Millward? <laughs> Finding Charity's folk? Millward? Enslaved women and free women, Maryland? That's you? Do you know who you are? <laughs> and I told us in that moment, I was like, yeah, like, yo, your episode was fire on um, on Ben Franklin's world. And it was also one of those where, like, you know, I, I, I love the podcast, but you can always tell when a brother or sister is on there because there's a little extra with it. Um, so, you know, so, so to me, like meeting Dr. Millward in that moment, like it was funny because Dr. Dunbar comes in maybe like an hour later and I, my back straightens up like, oh, I about had a little drink. I was like, oh, well, boy, I sobered up real quick right now. That part was accurate. <laughs> Right, no, no, and you called me out on that too. I remember you was like, "Hold up, bro, you you was you was over here vibing." Now you kind of like, "Hi, Doctor Dunbar, how you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> so clearly, uh, there, there's a different version of this that we're about to hear. But Listen. to 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 the experience of Adam Xavier McNeil, born July thirtieth, nineteen ninety two, in Riverdale Beach, Florida. That is what I remember. But Doctor Mill was gonna give us 
the, the, the rest of the story, as uh, Paul Harvey would say. It's- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's going to be a quick version. Yes, this happened. Marty Campbell and I were in charge of the hospitality suite or the kickback, however you want to say it, because we've been to Los Angeles. So we know that you can't have a conference across town and then have the hotel over here without there being something. So we had a little kickback suite. And um, here comes this young man with 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 locks. Um, first of all, there's a black man at the ABWH conference. It was it was I, I was already like, this is wonderful. Adam and I spoke for about 20 minutes. No, we had a full conversation. The alcohol, you know, I'm, a, I'm I love being a hostess. So I was like, have a little have a little eat this. You're gonna be hungry. Take this. Take that. We had a full conversation before someone called my name and said, Jessica, or Jay Mill, they said something and that solidified to him who I was and he said wait it is you it's you (laughs) I said yes yes it actually is me and he said do you know who you are and I said well well, yes and it was so cute because it was like this moment where I'd been on a postdoc so I'd been away from society I was like I do know who I am. Thank you, Adam. So then we continued to drink and laugh and guffaw and act like, you know, we're uh, reunited cousins. And then Erica walked in. And um, at that point, she wasn't president of the uh, ABWH, but she certainly was someone's graduate advisor. Man, Adam McNeil straightened up so quickly and got on his P's and Q's. And, and, and it was so cute. And she just came in to make sure everyone was okay. So... It was a great story. And once you meet someone like that, how can you not? Like, we're now bonded for life. 
No, and and for real, like it was a moment where I was just like, you know, because like I said, like in that moment, I was kind of like, you know, like I said, I didn't know anybody uh, at at least in the in the room at the moment. Um, and you know, I was like, yo, and I'm a grad student too, so I was like, you know, family, make sure you know, say everything is good, and then so that those twenty minutes or so kind of like you know showed me out because also the other part too as as an addition to to the uh, Dr. Dunbar bit, I hadn't gotten into Rutgers yet. So I was also kind of like, Ew. all right, bruh, it ain't no job interview per se, but I was like, mm, I was like, all right, bruh, all right, you know what I'm saying? You, there's, there's an acceptance letter that still got to come, right? So, you know, um, but, but no, like that, to me, that symposium, not only because we had like, for, for a number of different reasons, um, you know, that was the, the last um, uh, conference or symposium before uh, the late, great um, Dr. Rosalind Turbord Penn um, uh, passed away, because I think that was even a month after that, um, if I'm not mistaken. It was three weeks. Um, it was three, three weeks. weeks. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it, was, uh, it was an amazing experience. And, and even personally, the only experience I ever had with uh, Dr. Uh, Trevor Penn was actually like, <laughs> I look back, I'm like, dang, bro, <laughs> you, you, you fried for that. So when uh, the, the final ceremony was going on on the rooftop, um, let me see, uh, Dr. Gill was uh, doing her final um, uh, national director speech before the transfer of power um, occurred to, uh, to, to give to uh, Dr. Dunbar. And I didn't realize it, but I was actually standing in front of Dr. Uh, Sir Penn, and I remember a voice behind me saying, uh, young man, can you move? And I was like, oh, snap, my bad. And like, and I was like, you know, move. But it wasn't, in, like, I didn't realize who it was at the time, right? And so I knew it was a season state in the game, but I didn't know who the specific season thing was. And so... Um, it was only after the, um, uh, I guess the old bitch rocket ran in the times, um, came out and I was like, Oh snap, that's who that was. Right. Because, you know, I didn't know as much about the institutional history, uh, like I do now, um, as a, as a, um, as a member, um, of the organization. And so, you know, looking back, you know, that symposium to me for a number of different reasons, it, ultimately solidified me sending in my, my transfer papers, uh, which then culminated in me these last two years working with the GOAT, the greatest of all time for those uninitiated, Dr. Eric Armstrong Dunbar. <laughs> and so, you know what I'm saying? It's been a great two years. And, um, you know, now, like, it, you know, like I said, I, I, I wanted to transfer and I had my reasons, but now it's like, Guys, like, nah, fam, I got you. I'm, I'm gonna take your, your mustard seed, and I'm gonna let that stuff grow. And that, and I'm living underneath that growing tree right now. And let me tell you, the shade feels great. I love it. <laughs> I could talk about Rosalind all day long. All I will say is, in true Rosalind form, if she were here today, she would be listening to this and say, "Wait a minute, you didn't know who I was." <laughs> Young man. <laughs> hey, look, 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 look. I look. Some some people say, "Hey, man, I read the book, knowing they only read five pages." Look, I ain't gonna cap and act as if I knew at the time. I know now, you know. Uh, but but at the time, I didn't. 
I did not. Uh, but uh, but you know, her legacy lives on, and you know, and we see it in, in so many people today. Lord knows, Lord knows. Indeed, indeed. Rest in power, Roz. Okay, we could do, we could do this all day long, but I guess I'm getting the you know from the producers. Like, you know, we actually have an agenda. <laughs> this is true um when did you become a reality tv fan that's a great question um hmm like you heard with the moment that dr millward and i just had in terms of me missing out on some key narrative details i'll say my most vivid early memories of reality television shows was Flavor of Love. Um, it was Flavor of Love and Being Bobby Brown, along with the real world, uh, uh, the real world shows on MTV. To me, those three occurred in a time frame of my life that seemed almost at the same time. So it was, I would just say um, anywhere between 2002 and 2005. Well, um, what a real world city hooked you? You know what, Philadelphia, because my brother, um, let me see, if I'm not mistaken, Karamo, yes. um, who went to FAMU, my alma mater, um, was on that season. And I believe it was on that that he actually came out, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, on that show. And so to me, that was like, as someone who didn't really know much um, you know, and, and this is me looking back as a 28 year old, looking back on my life as a, I guess would be like, I would have been maybe 10 or 11. Um, you know, I didn't know, really know much about LGBTQ, uh, uh, experiences or lives or anything like that. So to me, that was also, uh, an important moment in my life of like, Oh snap. Like, wow. Um, and also just like, it was just a great season, um, as well. Um, and so to me, uh, and, and like I said, once again, funny enough, I'm now moving to Philadelphia. So all things turn back to uh, the city of brotherly love. Uh, but, but yeah, that, that, uh, that season to me was one of my favorites. Um, and, and one of the early favorites as well, in particular. Let's turn to your fast, fantastic podcast called New Books in African-American mm-hmm. Studies on the New Books Network. Um and by it looks like by the end of 2021, you'll record your 100th episode. So mm-hmm. congratulations. This is where we have our applause. We'll, we'll put some sound in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's dope. I love that. <laughs> so what are some of your highlights from the show? What are, you know, any of your favorite books? And then, you know, sidebar, because I always like the story behind the story. So do you ever get nervous talking to these big name scholars? <laughs> man look wow that's you know it's funny it's perfectly timed because a, a year ago um this month i believe um i interviewed vince brown uh for his new book packageable and it it really touches on most of what you asked in terms of i had interviewed probably i think using the i think his number is like in the 60s or the 70s so i interviewed a lot of people before but for some reason that I'm still trying to digest why, I was like, yo, why am I coming up here? Right? I was getting nervous, like fanboying out here in these streets. And 
and so for me, like interviewing him was a, a big thing because you know his 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 work, you know, is obviously um, tremendous. Uh, but I think also looking back now, a year later, I kind of saw the seeds of some of the projects that I wanted to do, and so I wanted to. I think for the most part, I wanted to ask fifty eleven questions but I knew I didn't have two hours, right? So I wanted to get in touch on as much as we uh, could in that interview. And also to make sure that I'd also realized too, um, and this is after talking with Dr. Dunbar and other people, when I first began the podcast, I had no idea. Like this is just for me to get into a PhD. I had no thoughts about professionalization. It was more of execution. Um, and getting it done and getting it sent as opposed to worrying about breath control or worrying about ums and, you know, those kinds of things. And so for me, it was around this time last year that I started to really think deeper and deeper about professionalization. And, you know, and it ended up being one of my favorite ones. And, um, you know, I and also it helped to, to, for me to also think about you know, his graduate advisor, uh, Julia Scott, you know, The Common Wind. And that book is so foundational and it helped me to think about, you know, uh, roundtable discussions. And so uh, to, to go to another uh, Duke graduate, um, Dr. Jennifer Morgan, right? Her uh, Labor and Women, which is the text, right? On colonial um, black women's lives and black women's lives generally, um, you know, that book, changes the game like big time in 2004 2004 is one of the most foundational years of historiography period why two books laboring women and closer to freedom from the late great stephanie uh, dr stephanie camp and so 2004 was a big year and so um i ended, ended up interviewing her and i was i was a bit nervous like and like i said like i don't i don't get nervous often um and and so for me, interviewing both of them was big for the simple fact of like, I want I, I, I want to make sure all my interviews are great, but I really wanted to make sure those are great because for Dr. Morgan's uh, one, I was uh, talking to her effectively about, you know, 15 years later, like talking about like why the book is important, how it changed, and also to try to kind of almost do an oral history and I wanted to make sure that I got to the 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 most pertinent questions. And so, yeah, that, that did induce some, some nervousness, but it also gave me great pleasure knowing that, and this is how I tell people on trying to um, do the podcast, what graduate student, like, like, take a step back, what graduate student do you know that gets an hour and a half uh, time for some of the biggest, dopest, awesomest, scholars in the game that don't happen often like if at all like especially in the capacity that the interviews work and so for me um it, it does induce at times some um uh some nerves but also it, it brings about great joy and pleasure because also it's a way for me to think through some things for myself as i was doing comps and also think about this is a medium that i could just have fun with that like talking to y'all is fun. This is, it's a part of my agenda for the day, but it's one of those things that you run at. You don't run away from, right? And so that's to me what I love so much about the podcast. And like I said, I had no plans of being in the game for almost four years. 
but it's opened up floodgates to writing opportunities, to speaking engagements, to money. Like, we don't get paid, but the books come, and they keep on coming. Because you get to build with great people like the great Dr. Jessica Millward and, and, and folks as well. So, you know, your your, your network, uh, and, and it'd, be, it'd be dope when you'd be emailing people would be like, oh, I know who you are. I'm like, you know me? You know me? I ain't even I ain't even got my dissertation proposal uh, uh, defended yet. You know who I am? Child. <laughs> <laughs> your point about 2004 being such a foundational year uh, really hit me because when I think about it, the most assigned book in both my master's and PhD program was Jennifer Morgan's Laboring Woman. I think I was assigned the full book no less than four times. And then there were additional times in various coursework that I was assigned specific chapters of laboring women. And so it mm-hmm. is one of the most worn and loved books in our household. And it was, you know, Max and I went through our programs together and it was one of those where we definitely needed multiple copies and we never share books oh, yeah. anyway, but it's like one of the few books where both copies are equally uh, worn and loved on. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because, um, I'm writing, um, the, uh, literature review of, uh, my dissertation proposal currently. And I was, I was writing some of it last night and, you know, there's just this thought of like, and I wrote this out, we may think that, you know, in 2021 with, all of the amazing work that black women historians are, are doing and have been doing, um, but are getting a, a larger recognition in, in the profession. Though uh, Dr. Lakeisha uh, uh, Simmons's recent uh, Journal of American History uh, article uh, piece that just came out goes to show how much we haven't come. But in the general sense, from 2004 to 2021, you know, some things have changed. But like you still had to go back to two, you know, to back 1985, if I'm not mistaken, with Dr. Deborah Gray White's work um, on I Woman. And so there's, that's a big old gap, right? And so, you know, uh, um, Sir uh, Hillary Beckles' book on um, Enslaved Women in Barbados came out, I believe, in, um, in the late 80s, or I think 86 or something like that. But in terms of, like, American historiography, U.S. historiography, like, that's not, you know, that's a big old gap from 85 to 04. And so I just think that it's important that, you know, we, we acknowledge and, and, and love on the fact that things have changed, but there's still more things that, you know, have to be done. Um, that is, that's not on black women historians to do. That's the wider profession at large. It's uh, our role in, in doing that. Um, and so, and so, yeah, you know, like you said, 2004, monumental year. And, it's, and if I'm not mistaken, I would be surprised if that was also one of the years of uh, flavor of love. I need to check on when the date comes out because if it's 2004, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should have that too. Uh, uh, <laughs> who knows? So in other exciting podcast news for you, you were chosen to be the Amahandro Institute of Early American History and Culture's inaugural audio fellow. Uh, what can you tell us about this upcoming project? Whew, man, it is. Thank, first of all, thank you for uh, mentioning this because y'all are the the first group that is you know get, where I'm able to talk to 
uh, to folks to bout with uh, about this project. And so, you know, it, it means a lot. Um, so ultimately the project or the, the fellowship is, it's a way that, um, let me see, going back to actually Dr. Morgan, um, I sat on the Omaha Institute's inclusive working, inclusive, inclusive practice uh, working group um, over, the, over the last couple uh, years or so, I think probably about a year and a half or so. Um, and ultimately we were trying to find ways of diversifying the field of early American studies, broadly conceived. Um, one of the ways in which we thought about it was um, the different style of fellowships. Oftentimes, and this is not um, Omaha specific, but many fellowships are residence-based. So you're having to uproot yourself for six months or however long for you to complete the work. And that's cool, but everybody doesn't have, you know, the, the money or the resources um, or even sometimes even the want to to do that, right? And so we're thinking of ways of trying to discuss how, how can we better take care of the field, right? Because people do better work when the conditions are, are best for them, right? Not with the scarcity BS. And so um, ultimately this was a way that folks like myself, um, you know, and, and ultimately this is beta version, like right? this is literally beta version. I am the person who is helping to, to develop like best practices here with the acknowledgement that hopefully this goes on further. And so, um, for two months um, over the summer, which will be uh, July and, and August, I will be um, developing the script, um, producing, um, well, was it producing the, the, the podcast along with writing the script and outlining and all that stuff. Um, for ultimately what will be a podcast about, like in, in the broad sense, um, black women's freedom struggle during the revolutionary era. Um, and so that's why, you know, I, like I said before, Dr. Millward, your you. email is going to be seeing me very soon. I got you. Uh, because bring it. Yeah. Because, Oh no, no I'm, I'm excited because, uh, you know, there's, there's not a lot of work that has been done on revolutionary era lives and founding era lives of black women. Um, there is a new book, um, that, uh, Dr. Karen Cook Bell, um, has coming out. Um, running from bondage, I believe is the, the title mm -hmm. and, um, it's coming out, um, this summer from Cambridge, uh, university press. I got a, uh, early copy. So it is, it's, it's really good. Um, it's just gonna, you know, really open up some, some avenues for a lot of people, myself included. And so I think it's important because, um, there's just not a lot of work just done to, you know, specifically. And there's also the reason why I transferred the record to, to be able to work with someone like Dr. Dunbar, who's, you know, the, you know, the OG in the game writing about this stuff, you know what I'm saying? She's been, she been in the archival trenches um, for, for a minute now. And so um, I, I just think that the, the podcast is going to be great because it's an opportunity for me to think about how, when I, when I want to teach, when, when, I'm, when I'm teaching my class, what, it, what I'm on a sidebar, I'm going to create a class called Hashtag Black and Vast Early America. Like that's actually a class that I'm, I'm going to create. And, um, and talking about black women's lives in particular within this time frame is going to be important. Um, and so I'm just excited to kind of think about the, the podcast. There's going to be a narrative two, two part podcast mini series where I'll be discussing with scholars and, you know, the narrative piece to, to kind of think about how do I want to, how would I want to have this taught? 
in the classroom. Um, so it's not only a teaching tool, but it's also a, a piece of production on the CV as well. So by the time I'm done with my um, dissertation, I have multiple things on, on the CV to, that I can discuss in terms of, you know, what's your teaching philosophy? Well, podcasts, right? Teaching students how to do narrative podcasts. Um, and the tools I'm developing through this fellowship will provide a great number of different avenues of not only teaching, but um, also interviewing as well in different kinds of mediums. Um, so instead of just talking about a book, we're talking about concepts and kind of, you know, editing people, editing stuff in, which obviously historians on House Rock knows all about. Um, so I'm just excited to, to be able to take this uh, piece here. And this would have never happened on the side. On one last note, I was working in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and um, I wanted to go to the Omaha Institute's conference in the summer of 2019. But because of the time frame, I didn't, hadn't gotten paid yet. It was in June. I had just gone back for um, a research fellowship with, with the park. And so I drove from Cherokee, North Carolina to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wow. Took me 16 hours. I got lost in West Virginia. Wow. Wow. It was, uh, it was a moment. But I can say, <laughs> me receiving the, the audio fellowship, first of its kind, ever, 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 ever. Exactly. Would have never happened. Never would have made it. Marvin Sattflow, unless I took that 16-hour drive to the Omaha Institute's conference. Met, you know, met, um, met Dr. Uh, uh, Karen Wolf, the, the director of, of the Institute, and getting to meet Julia Scott in that moment again, but also realizing that, mm, there ain't a lot of brothers and sisters out here, and I think I know almost 95% of these people. Um, and so, you know, trying to work to diversify the field because there are not a lot of black uh, uh, early African-Americanists out here. And, that, and I think that's a, that's a structural problem. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that, you know, that's why to me the fellowship is important because, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not one that always is about, you know, representational politics, but you got to start somewhere. And so I think that this is a way to kind of imagine um, different forms of fellowships and different ways of producing content that can really help the scholars out there doing the work, uh, like Dr. Miller, like Dr. Jones, like Dr. Christopher Bonner, you know, so many good people um, that I want to be able to bring together um, to, to think about content creation um, and intellectual property as well. So I'm just an excited dude. <laughs> to be able to talk about history and get paid for it. Like, like, come on now. Come on now. No unpaid internships out here in these streets. Pay the people. You know, this is a whole separate conversation for the amount of free labor that academics are expected to do. That is when you know that the first generations of academics were quite privileged because latter generations mm -hmm. of academics that come from first generation families or working families, oh, you need to pay me. <laughs> you need to pay mm -hmm. me because we have we have to make up for all these generations. And I'm not just talking about black people. I'm talking about people who weren't raised in a professorship kind of household. Right. Casey's, Casey's mm -hmm. nodding her head. Casey and I uh, share one. So many things, but one in particular. It's like there needs to be dollar signs <laughs> 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 because no one did it before us. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Yeah, no. And, and I think like that is so important because at the end of the day, we have to be able to um, think about, and, and this is something I think about as well, just like what are things that we can replicate and what are things that are we, that we're just doing for the moment that we're living in. Right. Um, and, and I think that, you know, like you said, like we don't want to live in a world where more and more students are going into debt and into at times poverty because like, like I'm not going to say who, but like I remember when I got uh, one of my first uh, graduate student acceptances uh, for PhDs, they were offering like 15 Gs for the for the package, and I don't know how it is everywhere, but I'm also got to be like, yo, I don't care what the 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 the, the poverty rate is, like the the number, like the per year number, but 15 got to be close, if not it. Like, and, and, and so, you know, and then, yeah, so, so that, like, like you said, like, there's a whole lot of other stuff, like, in terms of uh, inequalities and such, but, you know, I, I think that we have to also think about what do we want to replicate for, for the future, um, you know, exactly. for, for future doesn't generations. It, doesn't it just kill you when you're watching Real Housewives and the amount of money they drop on a designer pair of sunglasses or a Birkin bag is multiple years worth of what the university pays you? <laughs> um but now the conversation oh man this see conversation got me going i'm i'm excited i'm about to get some writing done after this it got me hyped join us next time for our exciting conclusion with adam mcneil as always you can find us at historians on housewives.com where you can propose your own episode topic ask us questions and send us feedback you can also follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at historians h And don't forget that you can like and review the podcast on your podcast platform. Thank you, Adam McNeil. This show is brought to you with the support by Barbara and Mark Spear, Saddleback Community College, Molly Callahan, Dr. Joaquin Galarza, Courtney Crow, Lara Loper, Luis Asio de Dios, the Ajipon Foundation. And remember... Scholars do bravo too. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 